0: Um, you know, I don't watch much television, um, the fact is we, we don't have cable at our house, um, we have this little antenna which is like bunny ears, which one of the, it's bunny ear now, if you know what I mean, it's kind of one of them chopped off, I I get three stations, I get CBS, ABC and Fox, though not clearly some of the time, kind of comes out, um. Just so you know, that's not a statement of my spirituality, it's a statement of my carnal, my carnality. If I had cable, I'd be watching it a lot, so I don't have cable, so I don't watch TV a lot. And um, there's one show that I like a lot, it's called The Chicago Bears. It's the show that I like a lot. And so, um, <laughs> you know what, uh, I do like football, okay? I like the Packers, I'm, I'm thrilled. Laura Dre, I'm phil- I was thrilled when they won the other day. Where are you, Laura? Are you out Help in the nursery, um, but I just like football, and um, I'm not I'm not like addicted to it. But you know, it's it's a great it's a great winding down thing for me. You know, we get out of church maybe sometimes one o'clock, one thirty before I get home. I oftentimes just catch the second half of the Bears game. That's okay. Uh, then I watch maybe there's a West Coast game. I, I can watch. That's that's okay. But but sometimes if uh, the Bears end, if I'm I'm looking into the um, the next game. Um, the, these, these shows come on and uh, I think they're called, info I know they're called infomercials, you know what I'm talking about, where they're like maybe 30 minutes long or an hour long or two hours long and they're just trying to sell you stuff, right? Like trying to sell you exercise equipment, right? And showing these guys great in shape doing this exercise equipment, how easy it is. Implication, if you buy this, you'll look like this, all right? And for an hour they try to pound you with this thing and Or with skin lotion, or with um, some dietary things that they might have, or you know, some kind of golf equipment, just in hopes that you'll buy it. And for for an hour long, or two hours, I've never, I've I've only watched like five minutes of any of these shows. I don't know how long they go, but sometimes I go back and up that show's still on. They're still saying the same thing. They're just trying to get you to call in, trying to get you to to buy stuff. Um, And I'm sure that many of you have seen these before in your life. Well. Today my message I want to give you an infomercial. Okay? Never done this before at Rock Valley Bible Church, but we're doing it today. I want to give you want to sell you something. I want to sell you on the idea of uh, attending the Art for Marriage Conference that we're hosting at, at Rock Valley Bible Church. On the back of your bulletin, uh even has a special sheet for you to sign, okay, to say that you're coming here, and I really have one aim of my message today. That you would sign this form and that you would come. All right. Um, I remember early on in my ministry, Phil Gusky asked me a question. He said, "Steve, how do you how do you really measure your ministry? You know, it's like like at a at a, at a church, we have altar calls. You can number the ministry by how many people come forward, right? And and all this. And I said, well, you just dig deep into people's lives and you just trust the Lord is going to do what He's going to do. Well, today you kind of see you can measure my application, how how good I am." because I'm shooting for 100%, 100% of you would say, uh, I'm, I'm ready, I'm signing in today. It is um, June 1st, 7 to 9.30 p.m. Friday night, and June 2nd, basically an all-day deal from 9 in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, $35 a couple. Um, that might sound like a lot, but it's really not, because with $35, you get... <laughs> you get... Two snazzy, too snazzy art of marriage, getting heart of God's design, a full color spread that's got a lot of, uh, things that go over in this, this conference. And there's more. And after the conference, there's a code in the back of the book where you can even watch the whole video session online in your own home for the foreseeable future. Yes. I will, I will autograph, yeah, absolutely. Well, autographs, so sign up today. No, seriously, we need to know <laughs> how many people are coming so that we need to order order these books. Um, and $35 actually is, is kind of cheap. That's just our cost, okay? It's not like we got any, we got zero overhead. It just costs $35 to get these. It's free shipping from Family Life today. And uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. Um, I want to make every attempt for you to be there. Okay, So here, here's some of my application, okay, to, to be there. Um, when this when this uh, service is over, um, husbands, okay this is we're we're celebrating uh, Mother's Day today because next week Alan Jin, who I went to Nepal with, will be here in town, and that's Mother's Day, and so he's going to preach here next week I'm really looking forward to to hearing him. It'd be an excellent uh, time. and then the week after that, we're going to get back into the gospel of Mark like we've been doing, so I promise so uh, things will even out here in a little bit, but today I, I want us to, to focus on this. So when the message is done, okay, applicate husbands, okay, this is Mother's Day, a, a great Mother's Day gift to your wife a week early would be to go out and maybe in the car, some just, just kind of turn to her so you're driving along the way and just saying, honey, is that something you'd like to go to? And if she says yes, you know that that's God speaking to you. <laughs> that that is your application for you to, to sign up, all right? And uh, it'd be a great Mother's Day gift to your wife. Even if you're kind of doubting, just go. It'd be great. And wives, if your husband fails on this application, right, when he's driving home, you can wait till you get home. And if you want to go, hu- wives, just tell your husbands and say, Honey, I'd really like to go to that thing. And um, I tell you what, if your husbands don't make... Reasonable effort to come to this, then you call me. And I would be more than happy to say, hey, I just got called for your wife, and your wife said, um, she'd like to go. Are you going to take her? And, um, I'll, I'll do what I can do. I can't promise anything. You know, I'm, you all know me. I'm not an arm twister. Okay. This is like the most arm twisting I've ever done at Rock Valley Bible Church, but I'm, I'm twisting your arm today. But uh, wise, it may be that you don't want to come. Okay. That's, um, that's, that's okay. Um, but still, if the question's not broached, you still need to ask your husband. Maybe your husband wants to come. And say, honey, do you want to you come to that thing? And if he says yes, really consider dropping, dropping your plans. And maybe the both of you are hesitant. Maybe some issues in your marriage. I, I, don't, I don't know. But because some of these things are going to expose some, uh, some difficult things in our marriages. And maybe you just say, you know what, I'd rather, I'd rather not be open to that pain well, your problems aren't going to just go away. They don't just flow. They're just going to sit there and fester and it might be the best thing for you. So you might both have to kind of like encourage each other to go. It's a little bit like going to the dentist maybe for you guys and just say, hmm, I, uh, I gotta, we I got to do this. It's the, it's the right thing to do and I encourage you to come. Uh, and it may be circumstances prevent you. Maybe you got some plans. Maybe you got some family out of me. Maybe you're going to go on that week. You know what? We've we sung all about grace. We are all about grace at Rock Valley Bible Church. So if you don't come, that's Okay you'll just disappoint me. <laughs> now, if you're not married, and I know there's some of you not married here, I want to uh, address that. Um, there, there is application for you, okay? Um, unless you're engaged, you should come too, okay? You should come to that if you're engaged, but um, if you're not married, um, I, I want you to come away from my message this morning being be a champion for marriage. That's what I want. Be a champion for marriage. Do everything you can to foster and help other people. If you're a child, right, kids, why don't you raise your hand, say, I'm not married. I'm not ready to get married yet. We got some some kids here. Okay, good. If you're a child, your application is this, okay, on the way home, you can say from the back seat, hey, mom and dad, are you going to that thing? That would be a good application for you guys. And to do everything that you can to go... uh, Think about how great it would be if your parents go to this thing. You probably maybe get a babysitter or maybe go over to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Maybe a friend come over. Maybe get pizza that night, the next day. <laughs> we don't know what's, what's happening, but you got a, a lot going on. If you're single, maybe you offered to babysit for somebody. That's a way to champion marriage is to, to go and to say, you know what? Here, I'll take your kids. Relieve a financial burden. And it'll be chaos in my house for a while, but, but it'll be go or I'll go there. and Just do whatever you can. Um, Maybe even you might think of people that you want to come or that people come to mind. I would encourage you to invite people. Say, you know what? Maybe there's something... I know that they're struggling in their marriage. I got a phone call this week, someone looking for uh, some marriage counseling, um, kind of in a different place. And I said, you know what? I got a great application for you. How about on June 1st and June 2nd? What if you take them and bring them? You come also. They're not our church. You come and you bring them and you pay the way. So they both come, because that's an investment in eternity. For $70, you pay two couples to come. That would be really good. So if an invitation comes to mind, I really encourage you. I'd love to have every family here. Invite another family. Um, and, and, and basically, I'm all in on this conference, okay? We've had other things kind of come and go. I'm, I'm all in this, especially coming back from Nepal last week, seeing the horrific marriages that they have in that land and just what it does to people. And just know how, how much a good marriage helps us and is a delight to us. We can shine. So, uh, we we'll want to put neighborhood flyers out in all this neighborhood. So, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. If you can plan on just staying around a little bit longer. Like, we've done this several times before. We'll have some flyers you just go door to door to door. We'll, we'll print up some nice things, inviting them. to. And we just want to do everything we can, even to this neighborhood, just to say, you know what, we're for your marriage. And why don't you come? And probably they'll get a great discount. I'm, I'm not sure. we probably offer it free. We'll pay for it as a church, because just to help them come, that would be great. Um, so, that's what I'm trying to do today, all right? I'm, we're 10 minutes in the infomercial, and this is okay, huh? Now, also, one of the things, we have this product. It is a, a, a video product, um, and so we've got all the videos. My message today is going to be totally different. I've never done this before, but you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, We're just going to show some snippets of what's going on. It's a six-session DVD, two on Friday, four on Saturday. just show you some snippets of what's going on, and I'll comment. We'll get into the Bible, kind of go back and forth. But I think the best place to start is really with the the trailer. So I want you to run that, Ray, if we can, the very first one.
1: first Family Life Weekend to Remember marriage conferences happened back in 1976. And over the years, we've had tens of thousands of couples who have come through our Weekend to Remember marriage getaways. But the volunteers who had helped put the conference together said, we wish there was some way we could do conferences like this throughout the state of Maine. And Kenny Bunkport and Caribou and all of the little communities, and that's when we started asking the question: What if we could take this conference and translate it for video, and and not just a video where you'd watch somebody in a hotel ballroom on a stage, but where the principles come alive and and are presented in a way like like nobody's ever seen them presented before.
2: I think one of the greatest gifts you can really give to the next generation uh, is faithfulness and fidelity in marriage.
1: You are ancestors to someone
2: yet to come.
3: things up a
4: bit hey kids
3: <laughs> i expect a husband of mine to be more refined the thrill is gone
5: i know the feeling i was exhausted this is marriage there is no wine in marriage <laughs> mm, doesn't it smell fantastic
4: dave I really have lost my feelings for you.
5: We were in an argument and I grabbed her as hard as I could and I threw her down on the bed.
1: During my depression I just uh, did some things that really hurt Tony. Hurt him real badly and, and hurt our marriage.
5: Where does marriage always go wrong? It's when I want the right to set the rules by which this relationship would work. You don't have issues. You are the issue,
1: both of you. Our marriage is uh, the central glue as an institution that is holding civilization together.
4: We are responsible then to turn and to forgive others, even when it's horrendous sin.
2: I want to talk to you, but um, i feel a lot better if you put that knife down.
4: (laughs) You cannot have a successful marriage
1: without the invasion of the supernatural
5: what the cross promises of marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings.
0: Alright, that kind of gives you a flavor of what's going to take place in these videos. I, I spent a good portion of this week. In fact, I watched all the videos this week, so... Our marriage is ahead of where things are. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, we had a difficult morning today. Men cook breakfast was hard, and a lot of difficult things today. So we're uh, we're just we're just real, but a lot of good stuff. Interviews on the street, well-known Bible teachers, just a montage together, uh, real-life stories, fictional drama. In fact, one thing that's really interesting, really neat, is that one of my former students, one of my Fellow students in seminary, Bobby Scott is one of the, the guys doing the, the teaching, so that's kind of kind of really neat for me. Um, what I want to do is um, just continue this infomercial by by just giving you different um, uh, different snippets of what's going on. Six, it's a six-video session. I'm just going my outline actually is the six titles to these uh, sessions. Um, first video is entitled "Love Happens." So that's kind of the first thing, love happens. Uh, In the first video, they really explore the way that marriages often begin. Love and optimism, uh, hope. And and here's a a cute little video clip of some children talking about marriage, just a a little people on the street. It's real short. So, Um, Kids, lots of different ideas about marriage. And apart from biblical revelation, the idea of marriage there might be our idea. Just kind of lovey dovey. I think the best way, though, to understand what marriage is is from the Bible. So let's take your Bibles and open to Genesis chapter 2. Just right, right at the beginning, Genesis 2. And Ray, we'll be a while until we get to our next video here because we're just going to spend some time in the, in the scriptures. Uh, we see the, the first marriage. We see the foundation of all marriages here in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis 1, we've seen the creation. After day 1, it's good. After day 2, it was good. After day 3, it was good. God said that it was good. God said it was good. God said it was good. Even saying is very good by the end of day 7. But we find in chapter 2 that there's one thing that wasn't good. In verse 18, that the Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And right from the beginning of creation, we see the purpose of creation. One of the purposes of marriage is companionship. It's not good for man to be alone. God so creates another being so as to fulfill his loneliness. And here's what it is. God created us to be social beings. He didn't create us to be off, alone, all by ourselves. And social beings need interaction with others. That's why solitary confinement is one of the worst punishments that can be put on somebody. People have been known to go crazy in solitary confinement because we need people. We need others in our lives. It was true of Adam. It's been true of every person since then. That's why the Bible prescribes marriage. Paul urged young widows to get married. He identifies singleness as the only exception to that. It's only for those who have the gift, right? Or if you're older, or if you have the gift of singleness, marriage isn't for you. But if you don't fall into either of those categories, marriage is a good plan for all of us. We need companionship. That's why God created the woman, right? And also, we need help. That's why God created the woman. He says right there in verse 18, I will make him a helper suitable for him. I I will give him someone to help him. In verse 15, we see Adam's job description. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. He had had charge over the garden. He had charge to to keep everything there and to worship the Lord and to serve Him. But the job was too big for him alone. and, And God recognized that and He said, you need a helper to come alongside to help you. And that's the reason for Eve. And it carries over into our marriages today. Wives, you are to come alongside your husbands. And you are to help them. That looks different in every marriage, right? But the principle is the same, right? The husband is working towards doing what he can do to rule and subdue the world, and the wives are to come alongside and help. The man is responsibility in the marriage, but the woman comes and helps. Ease the load of that responsibility. In fact, back in chapter one, verse twenty-eight, we see the mandate given to both male and female, the both the man and the woman. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sky and over the birds fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, that mandate comes to both man and woman. They were both given the charge to fill the earth. Man is the true. It's not just man's job, it's a woman's job as well. They're both created in the image of God, equal in God's sight, Genesis 1, verse 27. But yet there are role distinctions. There, there, there are different paths that the wife is to be a helper. And the story then told in verses 19 and following about how Adam. Um, had all these animals paraded before him to see where the helper was, and and I think God helped him to see that there's none of the animals that are going to help you. So I'm going to provide a woman to help you. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man, and the man said. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and should be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That is the establishment of marriage. In fact, verse 24 shows the commentary on the creation account. This wasn't written to Adam and Eve, verse 24, because they had no parents. But rather, this is a statement about saying the manner of what marriage ought to be with Adam and Eve. A man and a woman are to leave father and mother. they leave parents and they are to cleave to one another. It is no accident that uh, some of the biggest marriage problems that are exist from in-laws because they haven't left and the sexual relation to marriage because they haven't cleaved. So those are two problems. Those are two addressed. That is what marriage is. One man with one woman forming a bond of unity as long as they both shall live. Jesus said it well, right? What God has joined together, let no man separate. That is God's plan. That's why divorce hurts so much, because it's tearing one flesh apart. It's ripping it apart. That's why it, it's so painful. Now, here's, here's one of my, my observations here. In, in the establishment of marriage in Genesis, there's no mention of love. It might shock you a little bit. Maybe verse 23, depending upon how, how Adam saw Eve, maybe this is love at first sight, she was saying, whoa, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. There could be, but you've got to read into that a little bit. But what you need to see, it's not that love isn't important in marriage. I mean, Ephesians 5's got love, as, as uh, Phil read for us, it's got love smeared all over that thing. And love is very important in marriage, but notice that love isn't the foundation of marriage. The foundation of marriage is really the commitment to love. And where couples get into a problem is that uh, their concept of love is skewed. They love others because what they can do for me, right? I love you because you make me feel good. And someone else says, well, I love you because you make me feel good. And this mutual feel-good relationship then becomes the, the, the foundation of the marriage. But there are, quite, there are some times, quite frankly, when um, a husband or wife doesn't make you feel good. Right when they've sinned against you, and that is hard. And it's only a commitment to love that's going to carry through the day. And that's why love happens, but also then love fades, is the second DVD. I'm talking about what happens when love fades away, right? When that initial love and infatuation kind of fades away, there's problems that often develop. And, and any good student of the Bible knows... It's not difficult to understand why. Genesis chapter 3 tells why there are problems in marriage. tells why there is disagreement and disharmony and when the love fades. You remember the story, I trust? The serpent comes, tempts Eve to eat of the fruit. She eats of the fruit. And then the tragic choice is in verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave it also to her husband with her and he ate... And the results come in verse 7. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loin coverings. Once perfect in paradise, openness with each other, naked and not ashamed, openness with God, freely walking with Him. What once was perfect, now is marred and flawed, ruined by the choice to eat because they knew their nakedness. They came to another shame and they attempted to hide from God. Verse 8, Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? And He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid myself. Just shame from God, shame from His wife. It just covered all over there because of the first sin. Then God knew what happened. We see in verses 11-13, through 13, interrogating exactly what happened, see how truthful they would be. And then, he cursed the serpent, cursed the wife, cursed the ground on behalf of the husband, and then he cast them out of the garden at the end of chapter 3. But I want to direct your attention to verse 16, because verse 16 really sets up what happens when love fades and the the battle that most marriages face. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and in pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Okay, first thing you need to understand is this is a curse. This is not a mandate. I've heard um, too many people, Christian people, trying to put forth their view of marriage. It says, oh, the man shall rule the wife. Like, hey, I'm the dominant one. I need to rule here. and And... That's the curse. That's the reality of what happens. That's the awful reality of what takes place. But it's, not, it's a part of the curse. It's not a, a command. But this whole, whole battle, this whole verse sets up the battle that takes place in homes. There's a battle for authority. There's a battle for control. And it goes back and forth. She wants to be in charge. He wants to be in charge. In fact... Even as the ESV, I'm not sure if you have an ESV, in the margin has an excellent translation that says, yet your desire shall be against your husband. Um, that's the same way this verb and preposition is translated in chapter 4, verse 7. right? Cain, sin is crouching your door and its desire is against you. It's desiring to conquer you. It's desiring to rule over you. And that's a wife's desire for a husband is to rule over the husband. is to set things straight there. And in many marriages, that's where it is. She wants to be in charge. But the battle is that so does he. And so there's a battle. And since, in general, a man is stronger than a woman, oftentimes a man will suppress the wife and to endless frustration for the wife. This is true in Nepal, particularly. Just the men of the dominant culture, right? When you get married, the the husband becomes the wife's god. And so the wife is strong. He rules over his wife. And it, it leads to awfulness. By the way, there are some instances where a wife is stronger than a husband. And uh, in those instances, she may rule over him, and the husband's going to know that this isn't right. There's just something that feels wrong here. And there's frustration all throughout. And it all comes as a result of the, the fall. Here's a great video segment in the second video demonstrating problems in marriages when love fades
3: Sharon, Keith, nice to see you both again. Did you both bring back your first week's homework? Thank you. Great. All right. Okay. I'd like to start out this week by having you both clarify some of your answers here. Is that all right? Okay. Sharon, we'll start with you.
0: I tried to speed up the video, so it'll come. This is intentional, yes. It's okay.
3: This. It I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut to the chase. I'm going to tell you what the problem is with your marriage, and when I'm done, we'll decide if it's worth you guys coming back again next week. Sound fair? I'm going to start with you. You ready?
2: Yep.
3: Your problem, the problem with your marriage, is you.
2: Yeah, figured that.
3: And the problem is you
2: look I know I'm not perfect but
3: you didn't hear me you don't have issues you are the issue both of you I don't know what you were thinking when you got engaged but I know what most people were thinking I'm finally gonna be happy I won't be lonely anymore You think love is this warm feeling you get when someone makes you feel special. Sound familiar? Here's the sad truth. You married pledging to love, honor, and cherish each other. But deep down, you're really thinking, I can't wait for somebody to love, honor, and cherish me. So it ends up becoming this, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back marriage. You take care of the house and I'll be nice to the kids. It's not marriage, it's let's make a deal. You know, the only way this marriage can survive, the only hope that you have is if each of you are willing to get to the root of it all. (laughs) Have the courage to reflect on who you are and who you were created to be.
1: All right.
2: I'm listening. Where do we go from here?
0: That's a great video that just shows the problem in all our marriage... All our marriage problems is us. It's a problem with you. It's a problem with me. It's a problem with Yvonne. And the problem isn't the issues that we have. The problem is that we are sinners. And yet there is hope. One thing I love about that video is that the guy who leans forward says, where do we go from here? And that's where these weekend videos take. They, they, they give you hope. Where is it that you're going to find hope? And of course, the hope we know is in Jesus Christ in the Gospel God alone can save us from our sins. God alone can forgive us and cleanse us. And it's only when we've been forgiven that then we will be empowered to forgive others, which is really the, the basis for the battle in marriages, is self-disarmament. Self <clears throat> when you try to hold each other's sins against them, it will just be fight and fight and fight. But when you confess your sins, as I did this morning to Yvonne, and... Um, just it helps smooth things over. It helps make things right. The key to marriage is to know Christ and know forgiveness, but the second point really is to know your role and to know how it works. Really the next video. right? Love happens. People get married. Love fades. People have problems. But the third video is called Love Dances. It's just a, a metaphor used in this uh, video talking about how a man and a woman, when they dance together what happens is a man leads, right? I'm not, I don't know how to dance, okay? We've we never, never had a ballroom lesson, but I'm just thinking of the man leading. He doesn't push his wife. He doesn't pull his wife. He just kind of gently leads and she just kind of follows that so she can be free to respond and enjoy her dancing. That's the same concept that Phil read for us in Ephesians 5. Let's turn over there. Ephesians 5. It's the quintessential passage for marriage In all the Bible, describes a husband's role, describes a wife's role, describes why they are to have those roles, right? Simply, the husband loves and leads, and the woman submits and helps. Just like two two people, a couple, dancing together. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife... As Christ is also the head of the church, He Himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. And there you just see the wife, wife submitting and helping and just following her husband's lead. And here you see the husband leading. Not tyrannical ruling it over, but leading with love and in grace. Husbands, love your wives... But nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. And I'd love to spend a lot of time here, but I can't today. Um, Some in the the weekend, these principles will come out here. But just enough to say this. Husbands, you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church. That's total dedication, total love, sacrificially giving yourself, dying. Not just saying, I'd be willing to die. Jesus said, yes, I'd be willing to die. But what did Jesus do? Jesus actually died. And husbands, you need to die for your wife. Love your wife in that way. It's the first standard of, of love. Second standard of love. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Right, you consider her body your body. You are one flesh. So you love her and treat her as if she were you. This is the golden rule put to, put to top efficiency. Don't just treat others you would have them be treated, but treat others as you actually do treat yourself with your own bodies. And, and husbands, I tell you, if you do that with a wife, your wife will gladly submit to you and respect you when you do that. It may take some time. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen the next day. But if you constantly do that, uh, the marriage works, uh, uh, a wife will delight to submit to that kind of husband because she knows that her husband's got her best interest in mind in the end anyway. Right? Well, a great example of this is with Wayne Grudem and his wife. Uh, I love how love dances in this movie. So, why don't you take this clip?
1: Arizona is home to Dr. Wayne Grudem and his wife, Margaret. Since 2001, Dr. Grudem has served on the faculty at Phoenix Seminary. Prior to that, for 20 years, Dr. Grudem chaired the Department of Biblical and Systematic Theology at the Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in suburban Chicago. He has helped translate the English Standard Version of the Bible, and his Systematic Theology has sold more than 300,000 copies worldwide. There's probably no theologian alive today who has looked as carefully what the Bible has to say about roles in marriage. Wayne and Margaret Grudem were married while Wayne was still a senior at Harvard. After he completed his doctoral work at Cambridge, the Grudems moved from England to Minnesota, and then four years later to Chicago to work at Trinity. It was while they were living in Chicago that Margaret Grudem was in a serious car accident.
5: I was in the hospital for a couple days, and about three months later, just had...
2: there was uh, a lot of just uh, trauma to Margaret's various muscle groups Um, and we didn't know there was a solution a number of years after that some friends said if we ever wanted to use their second house in the Phoenix area uh, they'd be happy to let us use it and well when you're in the snowdrifts in Illinois you say oh that sounds very interesting (laughs) so we did we came out here and Margaret felt better
5: Mm
2: -hmm. And we came back again, and she felt better. That Illinois climate was really hard on her, and this dry, warm climate Mm -hmm. here in the Phoenix Mm -hmm. area was helping her a lot. Margaret was looking in the Yellow Pages, (laughs) (laughs) she said, well Wayne, there's something here called uh, Phoenix Seminary. We drove over to Scottsdale to see it, and and we looked around, and I said to Margaret, Mm -hmm. I I have more books than this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a tiny library and I think it had three full-time faculty members then under 200 students it it was a seminary but uh, not very well established and not large at a, at a very crucial day in this decision-making process in, in my regular reading through the Bible I came to Ephesians 5 and and I came to this passage where it says uh, Ephesians 5:28. in the same way husbands should love their wives As their own bodies. I said Margaret you know if I felt the kind of pain that you are feeling do you think that I would move to a different climate for the Mm -hmm. sake of my own body and she just laughed like it would take me a minute to make that decision.
0: I did not want Wayne to move because I felt like the Lord was really blessing him where he was and I had a strong sense that when God is blessing you in a ministry, you shouldn't leave for health reasons.
2: One day we were out walking around our neighborhood in Libertyville, Illinois. Margaret, out of the blue, said, Wayne, I've decided what I think about going to Phoenix Seminary. I said, oh, that's good because I wanted to know what you know, she finally thought was the right thing. And she said, I've decided that you have to make the decision. I felt the heavy responsibility then. She wasn't going to share in the responsibility for the decision in a way, but it, it also felt right to me. It felt that she was deferring to my leadership as uh, head of the home.
5: Wayne, <laughs> Oin, Wayne Oin has really blessed me in showing his love for me sacrificially, and the Lord has brought great blessing to both of us here. Um, just in terms of relationships and Wayne's writing and speaking. It's been busier here than it
0: was even at Trinity.
2: I've grown in my ability to listen to Margaret and have grown in my immense respect for her wisdom, insight, understanding Mm of me, uh, knowledge of the Lord and the Lord's will. I just have immense uh, respect for her. Um, And constantly now, there are questions about do I accept this invitation to speak here, to teach there? The first thing I want to know is, uh, Margaret, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. And uh, then we both pray about it and seek Mm -hmm. God's help. But I I respect her, (laughs) her wisdom and insight immensely.
0: is dancing. That's how it looks. Husbands, wives. <laughs> Wayne Grudem's got responsibility to figure out what's going to happen with his family, but I hope you see how tender he was towards his wife. Um, how much he sought her care. It's not, it's not that, uh, just that he makes decisions in a vacuum and says, this is the way. It's asking her what is it she'd want and then loving her and thinking of her even many ways before himself. I hope, man, you can see from that. That's a a model of how this this works. Husbands leading, wives supporting. It's how God intended it. It's how there's joy in marriage like this. Yet in any marriage, conflict takes place. That's the fourth video here. Uh, Love interrupted. Uh, Times and seasons in any marriage where conflict and troubles arise. At those times, really, it's where communication needs to take place. And the Bible tells us how it is we're to communicate with one another. In fact, you're in Ephesians 5. Turn back to Ephesians 4. We just have some admonitions here of how it is to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, right? That's chapter 4, verse 1. I implore you, the prisoner of the Lord, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And that's true of the church, okay? But this is especially true of marriages. We ought to, to, in light of the Gospel, in light of how He's been called, in light of how God has saved us, we ought to walk in these ways of humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance and forbearance to our wives. And wives, back, reciprocate that to your husband. And in terms of communication, it comes in verse 25, "...therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each other, each one of you with his neighbor." for members of one another. Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it may give grace to those who hear. There's a fighter verse recently many of us in the congregation memorized this verse. But I want you to really think about the the um, Just how how total this is. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That means not one. It doesn't say let most unwholesome words, right, not be said. It says let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only and in your marriage this is good for the church, especially in your marriages. Only speak what is good for the edification of your spouse. That would stop a lot of arguments. Right there. Stop a lot of the tone of the arguments right there, anyway, right? No unwholesome word proceeding from your mouth. Let me just say, I, I um, was talking to someone recently, and, and they were mentioning Philippians 2 verse, 12, 2 verse 14. Do all things without complaining or grumbling. And, and kind of like it was like, yeah, right, how can we do all things without grumbling? Right in the midst of grumbling and complaining. And I thought, you know what? That person is just mocking that verse. Because he's in the midst of complaining, quotes that verse, because, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to do things about complaining and grumbling, and then continues to do the same. And I say, husbands and wives, don't mock Ephesians 4.29. Don't mock it. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only speak what is good for edification to build up your spouse. And here's, here's what's interesting is that if that's true in the church, if you just work at building up people in the church, yeah, that's going to be helpful. It's going to be helpful for their marriage. It's going to be helpful for those kids. It's going to help for that. Maybe a little bit comes back to you, but in your marriage, if you build up your wife or your husband, it's going to come back to you in many, many ways. It's for your good to build up your wife or your husband. In verse 31, think about arguments here. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. You need instead verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, we need to be careful about our words. We need to be tender with our words, especially to those who you promised to live the rest of your lives with. Being tender with your words. Sadly, within marriages, some of the harshest words ever spoken are spoken. What a crazy thing. People say things to their spouses within the doors of their houses that would never, they would never say that in public. Ever. But they'll say it to their spouses. Forget the kindness. Forget the tenderness. And I just say with James, brethren, these things ought not to be. If you want to kill your marriage, just be unkind and unloving and harsh and angry with your spouse. That'll kill your marriage. But when you're gracious and kind and loving, that's where where things will, will help us. James said, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, this next video clip from chapter 4 talking about love interrupted uh, just speaks a little bit about our communication of marriage and, and helps again to say, you know what, the problem is you. What causes In the, the world? World.
5: what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and you do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel James 4 1 through 2a
4: James asks an interesting question and I think it's a question that we've we've all asked from time to time. It's it's a question that every married couple asks and that is what causes fights and quarrels among you? And uh and, and what's so interesting about the way James answers that question is that he doesn't locate our anger, our, our quarreling in the other person. He doesn't locate it in our past. He doesn't locate it in our experience of Oppression, or in the way that we were parented, he he locates it in our passions that are at war within us. So all of a sudden, we we have this radical transformation in how we understand anger, that it that somebody else can't make me angry, that only I can make myself angry, and it particularly and specifically, it's. It's sin in me. It's passions that are at work against God that just make me want my
2: way. I think most of anger in marriage comes from exactly where most sinful anger comes from in any situation. It's from an idolatry of the ego.
5: Where does marriage always go wrong? It's when I want the right to set the rules by which this relationship would work. That's at the bottom of every marriage difficulty. Whether it's I don't want to have to say I'm sorry. Or I don't want to have to always want to be nice to you. Or I, some days I don't feel like serving you. That's taking God's position. That's writing my own law. And then what I want from you is I want you to keep my law. Now I'm angry, not because you've broken God's law, I'm angry because you've broken my law. Think about it. Think how little of our anger has anything to do with the kingdom of God at all. There, there's many faces to, to anger. And so for
4: some people, they hear the word anger and they, there's a traditional face of a person exploding, throwing stuff, slamming doors, cursing, yelling, screaming. I think there's, there's, there's a passive side to anger too. It's kind of the silent assassin where you just go, oh, okay, I hear you. Anger undealt with kills and one thing that kills is it kills relationships kills marriage
0: the wisdom in that video clip is immense um, you can watch that again and again and again and again and you will glean some things from there so come to the conference get the code and you can watch it again and again and again and again Somebody else can't make me angry. Only I can make myself angry. It comes from my passions. it comes from my sin. I get angry, and people break my law, not god's law. Anger kills relationships, but a few but a few things there and so. Uh, the fourth DVD speaks about communication. Men, we're not so good at this. Men, we tend to grunt instead. We'd be short words. But if you want to make your marriage work, be about communicating with your wives. And sometimes wives, you're not so good at communicating either. You need to step that up. Okay, number five. Love sizzles. Alright. Can you guess what this one's talking about? Love sizzles. we the Flames and passions. I'll just let the video speak a little bit. I cut this video short. Okay, go ahead, Ray. I'm gonna stand up here because it's short. I don't like this. We're headed to the sixth frame. I'm working
1: on a perfect game.
0: Huh? Good, you're all out you. here. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you later. Sorry, I'm late. Mm.
3: Yeah, start with. Leonard from the shop is sending us over a new prototype. He thinks he has a breakthrough on the Roly Do whatchamacallit project. One of the R&D boys came up with the idea of adding a fifth side. They're testing it this afternoon. <laughs> but we still have to solve the big problem. Yeah. Our population continues to plummet. Now, I know that we've learned that playing practical jokes on the pterodactyls doesn't help. But obviously, we need to make new cavemen. The question is how?
2: I
1: have an idea. Hmm. We make cavemen out of rocks.
2: Oh, yes, go ahead. Well,
1: you shape them to look like a man. Use moss for the hair. Uh-huh. And okay.
3: How do you get them to move? Uh,
1: ah, I haven't figured that out yet. <clears throat> Maybe we
0: had... Okay, we're going to stop that video right there. We have... um yeah, some of the kids are disappointed. Parents, you might be disappointed if we continue on that. Um. But one of, the, one of the deals about an infomercial is that it kind of leaves you hanging. kind of leaves you, I want more. Well, I hope you want more from session 5. A very straight talk, very helpful talk about the physical, sexual side of marriage. So, you can come. Uh, our last, last DVD speaks about uh, Love Always. And these videos do a great job of helping you see your marriage is bigger than you. Yes, marriage is for your happiness. Marriage is for your joy. It is called the grace of life, but marriage is bigger than that. I mean, the, your children are learning of the loving kindness of God from your marriage, as they watch you love your spouse when your spouse is unlovable. As they watch you be kind to your spouse when your spouse isn't kind to you. They You will preach. Your marriage preaches to your to your children. Uh, Your marriage will have effect upon your grandchildren, if grandchildren come along. Your marriage has an effect upon the lost in the world who need to learn the love that Jesus has for His church. Ephesians five. Let's turn over there again, right? We are member, Verse 30, we are members of His body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined with his wife, that two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. The, the marital union is, is a mystery and it is great, but Paul says, I'm not talking about marriage. He says, Paul, you quoted for marriage. Verse 31, he says, I'm not talking about marriage. He says, I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Because Christ and the church are so linked with marriage that they ought to be seen as the same in many ways. When the church looks at our marriages, they ought to see... When the world looks at our marriages, they ought to see uh, the church. Our marriages teach other the gospel. And it's a legacy we can leave. we got one last video, and then I will will close. My hour-long infomercial.
2: I remember the day that my four-year-old came in and asked me, what is divorce? I was
1: part of a family and part of a family where for the last several generations there has been serial dysfunction. The last two generations, both sides of our family, my wife Bridget and I both, there have been 25 marriages and 22 divorces.
5: I'm afraid we're going to have a generation of people who at the end of their lives, look back at a fork in the road where they headed toward isolation and loneliness and a loss of hope. Because they didn't stick it out
1: when it got tough. If you look at my first cousins and, and I, I think there are about 25 or so of us. There's one besides me who's currently living with, married to and living with a spouse. One.
2: And what does it do to children When we're saying to them, Jesus loves his church and will never leave his church, when they see the image of that being ripped apart every single day in the pews around them or in the culture around them. For us, though, what had to
1: happen is there had to be a stake in the ground moment. There had to be an understanding of where we've come from, how we've gotten here, and a determination that we don't continue that legacy.
2: I think one of the greatest gifts you can really give to the next generation uh, is faithfulness and fidelity in in marriage. Um, I received that from my father, uh, which is a gift that uh, many are not able to to receive. Uh, My parents, this July, are gonna celebrate their 50th anniversary and uh, their golden anniversary. And to get to a golden anniversary means you've had to Worked through a lot of small problems, and you had to trust the Lord through a lot of huge problems.
1: Our marriage is not just about us. Our marriage is a picture of the gospel for a watching world. Uh, our marriage is uh, the central glue as an institution that is holding civilization together.
4: I'm just telling you, it's it's one of those things, it's one of the most powerful witnesses to who God is and to the gospel to see a marriage not just functioning but thriving.
0: So I just say you're leaving a legacy, what kind of legacy you're leaving? Now, I know some have already got a bad legacy to you. I just say there's grace to fix that. Okay. But for the rest of us, let's let's stand by God's grace. It's leave a legacy of uh faithful love. And maybe that begins or starts or helps with uh coming um, here in a month, June first, June 2nd, thirty-five dollars. Sign up in your in your bulletin. Um, so we know that you're coming. We need to order books. We're going to overorder because we think more people are going to come. They're going to sign sign up here today. Um, get you all the access to the videos you want. I'm not sure what else I can do to sell this thing. I'm all in on this because I think it will help help all this. Oh yes, there's some free gifts. Oh yes, there's more. There's more. I don't even know what they are. The one of the free gifts is a free weekend to remember trip. I think probably hotel fees and everything, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not hotel fee, maybe it's just registration, but a free trip, and then there are, what else? Oh yeah, we got some books, we just haven't received them yet, so they're not on my mind, but books that we will, we will give away, and um, so if you're employed by Rock Valley Bible Church, you can't have those, but we will get those out, it's mostly just me, so um, we will give those out to you all. Uh, so we can. so I, I really encourage you to come, if at all possible. Boy, if it's not for you, that's okay. But it might be a good way. I know some of you are here without your spouses. It might be a good way to invite your spouse who isn't here. And just say, hey, here's something. It may be a change and turning point in your life. So let me pray. Father, I pray in your grace that our marriages be strong. I pray that our marriages would preach the gospel. And to preach the gospel, we need to live the gospel. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us in that um, father would would help us at church to have men here who just who serve their wives because they love them and are committed to love them and to serve them and to be kind and gracious. May no unwholesome word proceed from husbands' mouths. May only kindness and grace flow from women's wives' mouths. father that you would Give us a happiness here um, that even we've seen in in Nepal is is rare among marriages because they have no no Christian basis, no Christian examples, and yet we here in America can be happy and delight and content, um, and our marriages live for your glory. So I would pray that you would do something special June 1st and June 2nd that by your grace you'd um, God give full attendance to that, that You'd bring people from the neighborhood, maybe who are struggling with their marriage, and find this flyer on their, on their door handle um, unexpectedly, and they say, hey, let's go. And God, and perhaps marriages that are struggling who need to be invited, perhaps others who just need a refresher or need help. God, I pray that You would use this time for the, the glory of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.